Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one bestseller, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of the medical merry-go-round? Are you looking for a potential solution to your health problem? Be sure and listen to our podcast, The Code Breaker. Welcome back in on a Monday, the final game week of the season. Now, uh, Ole Miss is probably only going to play nine games, but uh, I found myself this morning as I was thinking about how to start the podcast, which I, I overthink a lot of things uh, when it comes to my work, especially on the radio show. But I was thinking about how to start the podcast today, and I thought, you know, it's sad that this is the last game week of the season. Terrible. Very, very sad. I hate when football's over, unlike apparently some people who uh, looked at the slate this weekend and decided that football just needs to end already. Not me. I'm bummed that this is the final game week of the season, except for the bowl game, which Ole Miss will make regardless of the outcome of Saturday's game. The point is, if you'd have told me back in July that I'd be sitting here on December 14th talking about Ole Miss's ninth game of the season and getting ready for it to be played, uh, I wouldn't have believed you. So it's an accomplishment on so many fronts. And Ole Miss is one of the only two teams in the SEC that will not play a full 10-game schedule. But it it made me stop for a moment and realize that so many people deserve so much credit for us getting to this point. The, The football players at Ole Miss and every SEC school, Lane Kiffin, his staff, the medical people that worked and are still working with Ole Miss football, Keith Carter, all the way up to the SEC office, everybody involved deserves so much credit for pushing through all the the crap and the noise that you got around college football from some of its media and everything like that and and taking a pragmatic approach and deciding, you know what, no, we're not going to listen to you. I don't care what the Big Ten does. We're playing football this year, and now we're at this point where the SEC championship will get played on Saturday And locally here, Ole Miss will play its ninth game of the season on Saturday. It's a great accomplishment. And that is your positivity for a Monday morning. I'm Michael Borky, by the way. Thank you so much for making the podcast a part of your day. Always glad you're with me. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating and a review. And follow me on Twitter at Michael Borky. A handful of things to get to today. I want to talk Florida LSU with you and why that game shows that Ohio State doesn't deserve a playoff spot. I'll explain. Also, Auburn fires Gus Malzahn. What does that mean for Ole Miss? Oh, by the way, what is LSU's performance on Saturday? Does that change anything about the way you think about this game upcoming? Auburn fires Gus. Candidate list, Hugh Freeze, Lane Kiffin's name was thrown out there. Vanderbilt, by the way, also on the way to making their hire. So all of that coming up, but first, the podcast is brought to you every day by LBs just across from Kroger on University Avenue right there in Oxford. Stop by, see Greg, tell him we sent you, get one of his daily lunch specials Monday through Friday, or get something to throw on the grill. That's LBs. Tell Greg we sent you here at Super Talk and the Rebel Report. Weather this week, a little chilly, but you can still spend some time behind the grill and get that started at LBs. So Florida LSU. I mean, you guys have all, you've seen it by now. You've talked about it by now. You've seen the memes and the jokes about the player throwing a shoe 
after a third down stop, which would have given his team the ball back in a tie game with just over two minutes to go in the game. Kyle Trask had thrown for almost 500 yards at that point. So uh, you are very confident that you're going to be able to win that game after that stop. Instead, brain fart throws a shoe 20 yards, according to the official first down. LSU moves the ball a little bit further, kicks a 57-yard field goal, absolutely drilled the thing. I mean, that's an incredible kick. Talk about clutch. Absolutely drilled the kick, and Florida loses. Florida loses a chance at the college football playoff. Florida loses, uh, I mean, they're not winning the SEC championship, but they lost the game and an opportunity at the college football playoff because of that kind of play. And it reminded me of last year because, of course, inevitably, uh, Elijah Moore's uh, thing in the Egg Bowl is going to get brought up. I just hope they have that same energy or the the writers have the same energy for the Florida thing that they do Elijah Moore. Uh, Pete Thamel, I remember, called it a fatal, I think he said, a fatal act of selfishness that is unprecedented in college football or something like that. Uh, Bring that same energy with Florida. Because Elijah Moore last year, the only thing they lost was the Egg Bowl, which is a game that nobody outside of the borders of this state really gives a damn about. Ole Miss was a bad football team with that was poorly coached, and they were 4-7 and seven going into the game. Elijah Moore didn't cost his team anything, really, except for that game. This guy, in this case, cost his team a shot at the national championship because of that. Now, you tell me which one is worse. So I, I just hope they bring that same energy that they brought to... I mean, belittle and criticize and tear down Elijah Moore the way they did. Bring that same energy to Florida. I hope they do, because they should. But that's vintage Dan Mullen. He's a hell of a football coach. I think he's, I mean, you can make an argument that he's a top 10 coach in college football. You can make the argument. I know some people would disagree with that. He's a heck of a football coach. That's undeniable, but what happened on Saturday is so vintage Dan Mullen, it's, it underscores his problem, and I think it, it shows why, as good of a coach as he is, and he's getting players and stuff like that, I don't know if they will ever be, anybody will be a championship program under him unless he starts growing up, because undisciplined coaches lead to undisciplined teams. And if you look at his time at Mississippi State, he had undisciplined football teams. They were good. He was good at Mississippi State. But you guys know what I'm talking about. You saw it. He had undisciplined teams at Mississippi State. He did goofy as hell things. Like when he went to media days after the Jeffrey Simmons deal and tried to get everybody to talk about his shoes that he was putting up on the table. And then he said... When he was asked, what would you think if your wife or daughter was put in the situation that that woman was in the video? And his response is, well, my wife and daughter wouldn't be in that situation. Uh, In 2018, when he and Todd Grantham tried to fight Derek Mason on the field in Nashville, or this year, when he basically started a brawl in the Missouri game and then bounced around and danced around like a jackass, on the field, carrying on the way he did. Dan Mullen is an undisciplined guy, 
and he coaches undisciplined teams that do things like that that cost him that game on Saturday night. It's really that simple. And then, at this point, he's, I mean, I I guess you can call it lying. I don't know what the hell he's doing, but multiple times now after the game, he has explained what has happened, and I'll read a quote for you. So you guys have seen the video. Dan Mullen said that Marco Wilson made a football move, and that's why he threw the shoe. Here's the quote. You guys have seen it. Quote, I went back to watch the play, and he made the tackle. Part of the football move, the kid's shoe was in his hand, and he kind of jumped and celebrated with his teammates, so it's pretty unfortunate in that situation. I don't think there was any intent to taunt. That was Mullen's quote. So, can't even own it. I mean, can't even say things like, you know, young man made a mistake. We've all done it at some point. He, he made a mistake. We all do it. It's a lesson that he's going to learn. It's out of character for him. He's going to grow. We're going to focus on winning the SEC championship this week. Instead, he's so immature that he like he can't even just admit that that happened. He's somehow defending that as, as a football move when everybody and their brother knows that was nothing of the sort. But this is Dan Mullen. You guys know all about it. You've seen it. You witnessed it. You know. This is Dan Mullen. He deserved that loss. And then on top of that, not, I mean, just basically a healthy scratch on Kyle Pitts. He he deserved to lose that game. And, And it's just, it's vintage him. It's what he does. He is undisciplined. And undisciplined coaches coach undisciplined teams. And that's why Florida lost to LSU on Saturday night. Completely ended their chance at a college football playoff berth because they're not beating Alabama this week. I mean, they weren't. Even if they win that game, they're still not doing it, but especially not now. They're definitely not beating Alabama this week. That ship is... uh, that That is sailed. But this is why you play the games, right? This is why... Ohio State does not belong in the college football playoff. And I had people arguing with me on this uh, over the last couple of weeks because I don't think even a six-win Ohio State belongs in the college football playoff. Because at some point, to me, at some point, games have to matter. You have to play. I hate the eye test because because of what happened on Saturday. Because your eyes tell you that Florida is better than LSU. In fact, I still think they are, but that's not what the results say. Your eyes say that Florida is a better team. My eyes tell me that I think, it's a key word, that I think Ohio State is one of the four best teams in college football, but they haven't played the games for me to know for sure. Because in 2017... Your eyes told you that Ohio State was one of the best four teams in college football. But a top five Ohio State went on the road to unranked Iowa late in the season and got absolutely run out of Iowa City. And in 2018, your eyes told you, just like mine, that Ohio State, one of the best four teams in the country, or was one of the best four teams in the country, and then they went to Purdue. 
and got run off the field by Purdue. This is why you play the games. Because if you're just going to go on eye test, what's the point of scheduling games at all anymore? Ohio State just needs to schedule Miami of Ohio and Bowling Green and Western Carolina and, I don't know, Utah State and their non-conference games, and, and that's it. They just need to schedule those teams and not give a damn because as long as they look good, they're going to get playoff berths over teams that have played double the amount of games as them. And since we have recent precedent with Ohio State losing to teams that they are supposed to be better than late in the season, and a team that is supposed to be better than another losing right before the SEC championship... Ohio State doesn't belong because we don't know for sure that they do because they have not completed a body of work. College football is the only anything where we will reward somebody for doing half the work. That's what this is. Everybody else will complete a full schedule. Not Ohio State. And this is an Ohio State team whose best win, by the way, is Indiana. And Indiana's quarterback, who now unfortunately is out for the season, Indiana's quarterback ran or threw for almost 500 yards and five touchdowns in the game. And you, your, your eyes tell you that that Ohio State team was going to just cruise through a full Big Ten schedule? See, I'm not buying that. I'm not buying that at all. The games at some point to me have to matter. And right now, rewarding Ohio State for playing half the games makes them not matter. And so at this point, we might as well just throw them in the playoff every year because, well, you know, they got talented players and it, you know, it's Ohio State, right? So just hand it over, give them a chance at the playoffs. Forget that. Games have to matter. They have to matter, and and we learned on Saturday that you have to play the games because they matter, and we have recent precedent that says Ohio State has lost to teams that they're better than later in the season. That's happened in 17 and 18 now. They don't deserve it. They don't belong. The eye test is not the entire thing. It shouldn't be anyway even though some people are trying to convince me that it is. It should not be the only thing. And LSU in Florida taught us that on Saturday night, without a doubt, or at least it should have. On that note, uh, the question is, did the uh, LSU win over Florida? I guess this will be the title of the podcast today. Did LSU's win over Florida... Change the way you think about this game upcoming with Ole Miss. And my answer is yes and no, because I thought at this point, if Florida blew out LSU the way they were supposed to, that um, LSU would basically have quit at this point of the season. And that, I don't believe, will be the case now. At least that didn't look like a team that has quit yet. But it didn't really change the way I actually think about this game. Because on one hand, even though Florida lost, Trask, who had his worst game of the season, still threw for almost 500 yards. 
And then they averaged over five yards per carry. And that was without Kyle Pitts. I think Ole Miss at this point, offensively, is more balanced and more explosive, especially, most importantly, without Kyle Pitts in the lineup. If Ole Miss is fully healthy on offense, I think they will be able to score at will against LSU. Their win on Saturday uh, changed nothing. And I know the advocate this morning ran grades for everybody uh, at LSU, and they even gave Bo Pelini an A grade uh, for his coaching in their win over Florida. Well, spare me. Uh, when they gave up almost 500 yards passing and f- over five yards per carry rushing, um, that's still not an A, just because Florida stepped all over their own feet and lost the game. It doesn't mean Bo Pelini did something good. Uh, he did not. Uh, he did not at all. And so I think Ole Miss is going to be able to score at will against LSU, and they haven't been able to stop anybody all year long. I mean, it's really, I think the game is going to be basically like what you've seen from every Ole Miss game all season long. They will score. They will score a lot. Their defense will give up and give up a lot, and they'll have to win in a shootout. I kind of figured this was always going to be the case, and now it's been confirmed to me that Ole Miss, they're going to have to be sharp after a few weeks off now, but they're going to have to be sharp, but they can do it. I mean, they can score at will against this LSU defense. Everybody has scored at will, basically, against this LSU defense. And I don't know if they're going to be able to really stop anybody. We'll see how healthy Emory is. Uh, That'll definitely change things. Uh, If he can't go, maybe it makes it a little bit tougher for LSU to run the football. But I I truly think that, uh, one, the line's basically a pick I think Ole Miss... Uh, should win this game. I don't care about what happened on Saturday, but I do expect it to be a back-and-forth, crazy, shootout-style game. One that I still think that Ole Miss is going to win. All right, next up, Auburn. Fires Gus Malzahn, even though he finished at 6-4 and four and danced in the locker room with a win over Mississippi State. I did see some people uh, around here um, picking on Gus Malzahn for uh, for dancing and then getting fired immediately after. And I guess my response would be, what does that say about you if beating you doesn't save his job? If Auburn was so fed up with Gus that even even if he beats you, that doesn't save his job. So, on top of that, he's getting $21 million because college athletics is a sham. But, um, I mean, what does that say about you? That's kind of a cell phone there. But anyway, so they fire Gus $21 million. And I'm not going to go down the pay the players road today. I, I like doing that stuff in the off season when there's really not a whole lot else to talk about. But... I don't want to hear a single person preach to me about amateurism or that college athletes don't need to get paid because it'll ruin the integrity of the sport when Gus Malzahn's getting $21 million to not coach at Auburn anymore. I know that boosters pay the buyout. I get it. I know that this is not the athletic department's budget that is contributing to this. 
I get it. But if that kind of money is there to pay a guy to go away, then I don't want to hear anybody try to convince me that there's not enough money for the players to get a cut in some way, even if it's just name, image, and likeness, which I think is the best route so the schools don't have to pay them anyway. But don't tell me that the players getting a little bit on the side would ruin the integrity of the sport when Gus Malzahn is getting $21 million to not coach anymore. I I don't want to hear it. I just don't want to hear it. But anyway, they fired Gus. He goes 6-4. and He was perpetually 6-4. and If you watch that game against Mississippi State, you know the offense is an embarrassment. You know that Bo Nix wasn't getting any better at all. In fact, he was probably regressing. He was a former five-star, if you can believe that. But he's regressing. Um, It was the right move. It needed to be done. I think Auburn right now, I know it's debatable, but some people have tried to convince others that Auburn is not a good job. No, Auburn's a great job. I think that it's a top 15 job in college football. I know you're in the same state as Nick Saban, and that probably makes it tough. But being in the same state as Nick Saban does not mean your job is any worse than than I think a top 15 job. You've got, obviously, a financial commitment. The pressure is through the roof. That is a negative. But you've got financial commitment. You've got the ability to get players from everywhere. You've got a really good and dedicated booster network that you can recruit top 10 classes to. You've got beautiful facilities. Auburn is a top 15 college football job, and and I won't hear otherwise. It's a very attractive job. But their candidate list is fascinating to me. Uh, Because, of course, the name that comes out, anytime there's a coaching search, for some reason, uh, Hugh Freeze has just been like the, the guy that everybody... He must generate a lot of clicks. You know, because he was the... Uh, head football coach at Ole Miss, and then they had two bowl bands, but that's not even why he got fired. He got fired because uh, he was dialing escort services on his university phone, and when given the opportunity to redact those calls, he uh, either couldn't or missed them. I don't know. So he's a very easy person uh, to poke fun at, and a lot of people have done it. You know, you have the hospital bed thing, which is just hilarious, and all that stuff and the sliding into people's DMs. He's just a very easy person to pick on. He's very polarizing, and he might just generate clicks. But on top of that, uh, there's a real chance that he gets this job. Um, there are There's a lot of conversation uh, with getting Hugh Freeze uh, to Auburn. On top of that, you've seen a lot of Mario Cristobal. You've seen Billy Napier. Um Kevin Steele, apparently, is now somebody you should not count out. Kevin Steele being their defensive coordinator, who has been a head coach before at Baylor, and it did not go well. Uh, But he's in the running for that job as well. This got some people upset. But... I think if you're Auburn and you are given the choice between Hugh Freeze, Mario Cristobal, Billy Napier, Steve Sarkeesian, you don't even call Hugh Freeze. I wouldn't even call him if those are my other options. Wouldn't pick up the phone, wouldn't call Lynchburg, Virginia, wouldn't give it the time of day. And like the justification for why you need to call him is, well, he beat Nick Saban twice. Yeah, I mean, that's great. Congratulations, 
But what happened to Alabama after he beat them? And, and number two, he has a losing record against Nick Saban. Like, that's your justification for hiring somebody that destroyed a program within your own division and clearly still has some personal shortcomings. You're going to hire that person over a Mario Cristobal or a Billy Napier or a Steve Sarkeesian? I just, I don't see it. And a lot of Ole Miss people disagree because I had somebody tell me yesterday he's, quote, a proven winner in the SEC. It's a shame that he didn't get to coach the... uh 2017 season it's a real shame because that team would have been a disaster the 16 team which was filled with NFL talent by the way uh went five and seven but the 17 team would have been really bad and I think that would have gotten rid of the few Ole Miss people that are hanging on to how great he was and oh they would hire him back today and they miss him so much and the Ole Miss fans that are still like replying to his tweets about how much they miss him and wish he was back and all that stuff um I wouldn't touch it I wouldn't touch it at all because last night he was still in the DMs early in the morning or late, depending on how you want to look at it, with a parody high school football coach's Twitter account. Still doing that kind of stuff. Wrecked a program in your own division. I had somebody try to tell me yesterday that he didn't wreck Ole Miss. He literally invited the investigation onto his campus. No other coach does that. Yes, I agree. Everybody in college football cheats. Not everybody handles it the way that Ole Miss did under him. If I were Auburn, I wouldn't touch it. I think they could do better. I think they could do uh, somebody that doesn't have that kind of baggage. And yeah, that's the route I would go if I were them. I don't think I'd go Kevin Steele. I mean... He might end up being great. I mean, I know the people there love him, but could you imagine spending $21 million? $21 million to fire a guy just to hire his defensive coordinator? That seems crazy, right? But um, we will see. That's picking up some momentum this morning. Who knows how much of any of this is just Jimmy Sexton trying to do his clients some favors, but there's a real chance that Hugh Freeze is back in the SEC. There's a real chance. There are Auburn people that want that to happen. He's a good football coach. I mean, you're seeing what's happening at Liberty. He's a good football coach. But if I were Auburn, like I keep saying, I wouldn't touch it because there are there are doubts. I mean, you think the criticism was tough at Ole Miss? Now apply that to Auburn. You think people were unfair to you before? Wait until you get back into the SEC and then sign your next five-star. Are you going to invite investigations then when people call you a cheater? That's the kind of stuff that I, I wouldn't touch. And when you can hire a coach that did not leave a program in two bowl bands, a national embarrassment, and can still coach really good football, then I think that's the route that you should take. There are The people around here, I guess he is completely absolved of blame of how Ole Miss was left to some people here, but... It's like the year 2016 never happened to some people. I mean, the team was bad. The NCAA hammered the school. It was sloppy. It was irresponsible. And then there was national embarrassment left in its wake. And then uh, we'll talk about this on the radio show today, and we'll have people, well, his wife's forgiven him, so should you. Well, I'm not, I don't, 
It's not that I forgive him or don't forgive him. That's not that. It's if I'm Auburn, I'm not forgiving him for what he's done. I'm making a business decision based on what somebody has done and determining whether or not I want to risk that within my program. I mean, I've had people tell me, well, Ole Miss hired Kiff and you had no problem with that. Why are, are people even comparing the two? It's not even remotely the same thing. Not even close. I don't understand it. But it's possible he's back. So uh, I know that's going to cause a lot of shit around here. That's for sure. People are not going to uh, to take that take that very well at all. It's a good coach, though. Good recruiter. I mean, all joking aside, with, with the sloppiness and the NCAA and stuff, he clearly relates to players very well. So it might be it might work out there for a little while. I just I don't think all of the shortcomings are gone like some people do. And then there was one more name that popped up in the coaching search articles, and that is your current head coach, Lane Kiffin. And I told you guys about this last week. I think it was last week. Um, Get used to this. Get used to Lane Kiffin being named for every job that is perceived to be better than Ole Miss's. Be prepared for that every single year until he leaves on his own or otherwise be prepared to have Lane Kiffin's name pop up in every open job. When Texas comes open, Lane Kiffin will be named. Auburn's open, Lane Kiffin has been named. Every job that comes open, Michigan, everybody, they'll put Lane Kiffin's name in there for a couple of reasons. One, because he generates clicks. But most importantly, he's a good football coach, and he's doing good things at your school right now. I had somebody ask me yesterday if Auburn offered Lane Kiffin, would he take the job? That's an interesting question because I do think Auburn is a better job than Ole Miss. I think that's pretty obvious. I think nobody would really argue against that. I don't think it's that much of a better job, though. I don't think so. And I could be way wrong on on this next point, but I do think that um, Lane Kiffin strikes me as a guy that uh, has learned from his past. He strikes me as that kind of guy anyway. And I don't think bolting from Ole Miss to Auburn after one year again to do kind of a rebuild project at Auburn. That roster and that situation is not perfect. Much better chance for him to win more games at Ole Miss next year than Auburn. Um, I don't think that's the route he's going to take. Again, I could be dead wrong. Maybe Auburn calls and he answers and takes the job. I don't know. But... The goal is likely to get one of the biggest jobs in college football. And I think just jumping to Auburn after one year for another rebuild in year one is not the path to do that. I could be wrong. And I, de- I know that Keith Carter's not going to let money be a factor. I know that. If it's just money, uh, Ole Miss will match wh- whatever... To a point. I mean, you know, I don't think they could get to Texas money. But Ole Miss would, is going to make sure that coaching salary is not a problem. I, I've told you guys on this podcast many times that there is a facilities upgrade project coming. They need that to happen. Ole Miss needs to upgrade facilities soon if they want to keep him around longer. It needs to be done as soon as possible. But right now, they're poised to finish with a top 20 recruiting class during the COVID year when they couldn't have anybody visit their new staff in year one. 
You can win games at Ole Miss. And he returns a high-level quarterback and a high-level running back. A recruiting class coming in that should be pretty darn good. A financial commitment that will be matched or on par with anywhere else he'd get in the country. I don't see that kind of move being something in his future. At least not not this one, not right now, not after one year. I do think Auburn is a better job than Ole Miss. I don't think it's much better to the point where you would just up and leave. Unless he just absolutely hates coaching at Ole Miss, which, you know, we'll see. Um, there are a lot of people around here that like to spread that rumor. I just, I don't, I don't buy into that kind of stuff. Those are the same people that think that he sucks, he's a bad, same people. Lane Kiffin sucks, bad coach, he's going to be terrible. Also, please, somebody else hire him, haha, Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin's going to go somewhere else. It's like, how do you share those thoughts simultaneously? I don't know. But get used to it because he's a good coach and he's doing a lot of things right at Ole Miss right now, and so that's going to get a lot of attention. He generates clicks because everybody loves reading about and talking about Lane Kiffin, but I don't see that being what's going to happen this year. I just don't see that. Um, It doesn't make any sense uh, to jump to Auburn right now to me. And like I told you a few weeks ago, or last week, there are very few jobs, in my opinion, that are better than the one he's got right now. At least it's a a number that is smaller than people give it credit for, and it is shrinking. And you should trust uh, Keith Carter to financially commit whatever it takes to keep him around. Money will not be an object, I don't believe, when it comes to where he goes and when he goes. I don't think it'll be a money thing. So... His name was out there. I don't think it's very serious. I don't think Auburn uh, is going to call him. Again, I could be wrong. I don't think that he will actually be in the mix. I think he's going to get a huge raise. I think the situation he's in right now is pretty good for him. He's at a place with lower expectations. I mean, don't forget, Auburn just fired Gus Malzahn after winning six games. You want to know who does not get fired after going six and four? So two games above five hundred. The coach at Ole Miss. He's got a talented roster coming back, a good quarterback. Financial commitment will be there. I think a new facilities upgrade project will be revealed very, very soon. It doesn't make sense right now for that to happen. And now that I've said that, he's going to leave for like Tulsa tomorrow because that's just been my string of luck in the year 2020. Been a brutal year, not just because of COVID. Hope you guys are uh, faring better than we are, but... Either way, I don't see it happening, at least not this year. I don't know if I just um, calmed your worries or did nothing to help, but I just I don't see that happening right now. I don't think that kind of job is open uh, right now. But we'll see. And Vanderbilt made a hire. Uh, I'll just bring this up quickly. I know you guys don't particularly care about Vanderbilt football, but Vanderbilt did, uh, most people believe, now everybody's kind of confirming the news, that Clark Lee will be the new head coach at Vanderbilt. He's Notre Dame's defensive coordinator. He is an alum. I think he grew up in Nashville as well. And this strikes me as um, another Derek Mason. I mean, people give Derek Mason so much shit about about his coaching ability, but Vanderbilt's a really difficult job. He's a good football coach. That's just a tough place to win. And I think they had other options 
that would have fit there more. But instead, they hired a defensive coordinator from a big school who's doing well, and that's what Derek Mason was. And I don't know. I just think they could have done something a little bit different, acknowledge that their job is difficult, that their job is different, and the way to win at a place like that is to do something different. Instead, they just went and got a Power 5 coordinator who's got ties to the school, and, I mean, we'll see. Maybe he's great, but it feels like they just hired another Derek Mason, and I think they should have gone and done something different. But alas. And last thing, Ole Miss did get a win in basketball. They have a game tonight, um, but they did win Saturday over UNC Wilmington. Spirit of full disclosure, I didn't watch it. I hope you guys will forgive me for that. I mean, it was a football day. I didn't watch basketball, but uh, you got clearly... I watched the highlights anyway. You got uh, clearly very good minutes from Romello White. After the first game, I could tell you he was going to be an impact player for this team. He's played a lot of basketball, and you can tell uh, he's going to have a really good year. And he does things... I I saw it in one game that he's going to do things that Ole Miss hasn't had uh, at that spot for a while. Devontae Shuler... Uh, was good and efficient again. That That's the kind of production you need from him. You don't need 40 a night like you got from Tyree, but if he's going to shoot 7 of 15 from the field, you know, make 33% of his threes, that percentage could go up a little bit more. But six assists, you'll take that every night. That's what you need from him. 18, 6, and 5 kind of performances from him, and you'll do a lot of really good things. And Luis Rodriguez... Uh, also had a good night, uh, 14 points, 6 of 10 shooting, had 12 boards. He's a big-bodied guy. He should be able to rebound like that. Like I said after the first game, he's got an NBA body. Physically, he looks like an NBA player, and it looks like he rebounded uh, and played like one the other night. They're back in action tonight on Monday night, if you're listening on Tuesday anyway. I don't think I'm going to do like an instant reaction recap podcast to this one. Um, so you'll just have to wait until Wednesday, but I will watch the game tonight for sure. And, um, I'll be live tweeting it and stuff as well. If you care about that sort of thing, it is, uh, central Arkansas tonight. Uh, the bears will be, uh, in Oxford. It's on the sec network. So if you, uh, you're not locked into Monday night football, which is Ravens Brown should be a really good game. Um, you got some hoops in Oxford tonight. So. Anyway, that's it for me. Thank you so much for making the show a part of your day. As always, really glad that you are with me. Don't forget to leave a rating and a review. Follow me on Twitter, at Michael Borky, and I will talk to you guys again on National Signing Day. Signing Day show, it'll be Wednesday night. Might do it live on Periscope. We'll see. Um, National Signing Day show on Wednesday. But for now, have a really good week, and I'll talk to you guys again soon. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.